You're listening to Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Miriam, welcome to Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. How are you doing today? Good, and you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Thanks for coming on and letting me uh, answer your questions. What can I answer for you today? So my question is, what can go wrong even if your application is good? Let's say I have a perfect GPA, a good MCAT, and a decent personal statement. Like, yeah. why will med schools invite someone else for an interview over me? Ooh, that is a great question. So there are lots of gotchas along the way with the application. And it could be personal statement, right? You said, well, what if it's a good personal statement? Well, my question would be, how do you know if it's a good personal statement? Um, so there are some questions to ask. And I, and I run through this process. Actually, I'm in the process of, of finishing up my, my pre-med playbook guide to the medical school application book. And I kind of run through this process in the book of evaluating kind of post um post-application, if you didn't get in, what does that look like? Uh, how do you evaluate? How do you run through um, kind of doing a post-mortem, so to speak, on your application to figure out what went wrong? And so the the question would be, for me, the, the breakdown is, I got an interview or I didn't get an interview. And if you didn't get an interview, then there are a lot of things potentially that can go wrong. So number one, GPA. Right, and you mentioned, well, what if I have a good GPA? Again, what does what does a good GPA in your mind look like? Um, number two, MCAT score. Um, but if we say it's a good MCAT score, okay. Uh, number three, personal statement. Uh, number four, secondaries. Number five, school list. Number six, activities. And number seven, letters of recommendations. So let's start at the end, right? Letters of recommendation. You could have great GPA, great MCAT score, uh, great activities, uh, great personal statement, great secondaries, applied early, which would be number eight, right? Timing of the application. Um, I forgot to mention, that's a huge one. Yeah. Um, if your letters of recommendation aren't good, then you're probably not going to get an interview, right? And there's this whole like secret language around letters of recommendation. It's super annoying, but it is what it is. But if your letters of recommendations are like, eh, Miriam is whatever, she's so-so. Um, she she was an okay student. She showed up, she got an A, but she never really participated or helped anybody else. Right? That's not going to help your case at all. So <laughs> letters of recommendation are, is one thing. Let me start with, uh, or let me kind of circle back to timing of your application. If you are looking at the medical school application process and you are looking at deadlines and you go, okay, my my top choice school is, uh, their deadline is October 31st. I'm gonna submit my application on October 31st. That's beating their deadline. I'm gonna be good, right? The majority of medical schools in the US are based on rolling admissions, which means the earlier that you apply, the better your chances are of getting into medical school. And by the time the deadline rolls around, there's probably not a very good chance that you're going to get an interview. So that's timing of the application. Um, activities. 
I've talked to several students recently who have amazing GPAs, amazing MCAT scores, and zero clinical experience, zero shadowing, zero volunteer work in the hospital, and they don't get interviews, right? 3.9 GPAs, 520 MCAT scores. Don't get an interview. So there are so many traps along the way, which is why if you if you go online and you look at students talking about, oh, look, I, I, I had a 3.9 and a 520 MCAT score and I didn't get into medical school. Students will post that on Reddit or SDN and then everyone freaks out. Be like, well, if, if that wasn't good enough to get into medical school, how am I going to get in, right? And they're just completely ignoring all of these other things that I talked about, right? And so there are so many reasons. Now, if you did get an interview but you didn't get any acceptances, then the discussion starts to circle around to, uh, to interview skills, right? Everything else is still in play. Your GPA, your MCAT score, your letters of recommendation, your secondary essays, your personal statement, the timing of your application, the letter, uh, all, all that stuff, right? All that stuff is still in play. And your interviews potentially are an issue as well. And so, that's my biggest breakdown when I talk to students. And, and actually, as we're recording this, I have six episodes of a, of a new series for YouTube called Application Renovation, where I actually go through an application with a student. Uh, I look at their AMCAS application or their ACOMAS application uh, and say, okay, you didn't get into medical school. Let's try to figure out why. And let's talk about how to improve it for next time. So that's kind of my thought process. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's like I didn't realize that letters of recommendation played such an importance and like other things too. Yeah. Um, but let's say what then does let's say somebody has a bad score or like something wrong with their application, what makes them get into medical school, gets them accepted over like someone who has like perfect scores? Somebody, if if they have either bad scores or a bad GPA, they've they've had to show some improvement, right? They they've had to show some level of recognition of those issues, and then putting in place fixes of those things, right? So if they started off college with a poor GPA, uh, they have like a two point five freshman year, they have. Uh, a 3.0 sophomore year, and then they have 4.0 junior year, 4.0 senior year, then they've improved their uh, their chances of getting into medical school. So even if somebody has red flags on their application, even if somebody has stumbled with GPA, with an MCAT score, as long as they can prove that they've overcome those issues and given assurances to the medical school as best as they can, that they're going to be able to get through medical school in four years and pass the boards the first time, then the medical schools are going to be willing to look at them as an applicant. Okay. So I have one more question. Yeah. Um, how you always talk about like put writing your story. How do you like put your story out there? Because like <laughs> I find it very hard to find the right words to like put my story out there and write it. How can you do that? Well, I think step one is journaling everything that you do. Uh, you need to to remember everything that you've done for your applications. And, and we kind of go through this process thinking, oh, I have a great memory. I'll be fine. 
but we have terrible memories. And so you need to, starting from day one uh, or day zero right now, uh, start journaling everything that you're doing. So every clinical experience you have, every volunteer experience you have, every time you are doing something, journal and and talk about what you did and how it made you feel and and kind of what your takeaway was from it. And if it's something clinical, how did it potentially further strengthen your desire to be a physician and to go on this journey? Those are the kinds of questions that you want to be asking yourself as you're doing this. Um, but the the story itself, right? If we talk about personal statement and, and over my shoulder here's my pre-med playbook guide to the, the medical school personal statement. I have a, a copy of it here on on the, the table here. Um, the, the story of your personal statement is all about why do you want to be a doctor, right? What is that story that led you to be interested in healthcare? What is that story once you were interested in healthcare that led you to really reaffirm in your mind and give you confidence in your mind that this is what you want to do? There are plenty of times I've read a personal statement. I'm like, I have no idea why you want to be a doctor. And actually, I don't think you should be a doctor. I think you should go get your MPH and go work at a nonprofit somewhere. Uh, and and student, I'll have those conversations with students. They're like, yeah, yeah, I don't really want to be a doctor. That sounds better, like what you're talking about. Uh, and and so the the story, the narrative that you focus on for your personal statement really has to talk about your journey to medicine. If you have red flags along the way, sure, you can potentially talk about those, any sort of hiccups along the way. And then your secondaries really have to to fit with each of the schools that you apply to. So every school wants to make sure that you're that that you are going to be a fit for their school. You're going to be a fit for the class. You're going to be a fit for their mission. And so you really have to be careful writing those secondaries to not make them generic and just copy and paste and copy and paste and copy and paste all the secondary essays about why the school should accept you. Uh, you really need to focus uh, on uh, on the schools individually about why you want to go there and why they should accept you, et cetera, et cetera. So um, really just learning how to tell your story in that way from a show-don't-tell perspective. And if you just Google it, it's a very common writing technique storytelling technique that really draws in the reader, draws in the audience to make them understand what you've been through and what you're doing and why you're doing it um, is really the key to it. Too many students try to, with a personal statement, with their secondaries, try to sell themselves. Look how motivated I am. Look how dedicated I am. Look how hardworking I am. Look how empathetic I am. And it's just, it doesn't work. You, you can't sell yourself. You are never going to prove to an admissions committee that you are more empathetic than anyone else. So just tell your story. Let your story tell um, the, the reader, the interviewer, who you are, where you've been, the experiences you've had, and what you've learned from those things. All right. Thanks so much. Yeah. <laughs> what else helpful. do you have? Um, so where, let me ask you, where in the journey are you? So I'm going to be a junior, so I'm going to be applying next cycle. Okay. Um, and do you think you are uh, kind of at a good pace right now with your activities, with your GPA, with MCAT prep, et cetera? Yeah. I, yeah, I think I'm doing pretty well. I need to get more shadowing, which okay. is... Uh, I just need to call doctors around the area. I haven't done that really because yeah. 
I've been taking too many classes, so I haven't <laughs> had time. Yep. Well, but, find uh, we have we have a project, uh, hopefully coming to fruition soon, called findshadowing.com, where it'll yeah. be a website where you just put in your zip code and see if there are physicians, uh, <laughs> physicians in your area that will allow students to shadow. Yeah, that would be great. Mm-hmm. That would be so helpful. <laughs> okay, so, so finding yeah. shadowing is is uh, yeah. up there on the list. What about clinical mm-hmm. experience? Uh, I worked in a hospital the whole summer last summer, so that's like two, three months of work with patients. What were you doing in the hospital? So a very common mistake is just saying, oh, I was in a hospital, therefore it's clinical <laughs> experience, right? So what were so, you doing? I was a patient transporter, so I was okay. in charge of um, moving around patients like from their room to the OR, yep. from one department to another. So okay. it was... I was, I think I had enough uh, patient contact. Yeah. So it's interesting. Patient transport is, uh, transport is a very common thing that students are able to do. Some schools actually don't like it as clinical experience, but there's nothing you can do about that. So uh, <laughs> I, like I, I think I, they just don't feel like it's enough interaction, uh, just pushing <laughs> around a, a gurney to, to a, a different location in the hospital. Uh, I think whatever right you're talking to patients you're interacting you're hearing their stories um it's fine i was also interacting with doctors and nurses because from icu a doctor would always have to come along with the patients so yeah okay it's a great experience good and right now i'm doing a summer internship uh in cancer research okay so getting some research in when are you planning on taking the mcat uh next either january or march okay depending Depending so, on how ready I am. Okay, a few months before applying, yeah. which is good. Yeah. Uh, how are you planning on retaking? Yeah, <laughs> exactly. How are you planning on preparing for it? So, I have um, the Kaplan books okay. that I bought, and I'm studying with them, and then I might get the U World question bank. Yep. And then just use that to do like a lot of questions along the way. Okay, lots of questions and then full lengths. Yeah. Make sure you're getting the full lengths yeah. under your yeah. belt as well. Exactly. Okay. Good. <laughs> so doing that, I don't know. <laughs> Good. If there is anything else I should be doing. Yeah. No, it sounds like you're you're um, getting everything lined up appropriately. Then it's yeah. just a matter of once January rolls around. Um, if you're taking the MCAT in January, great. Uh, once you're done with the MCAT, if you are taking it in January, then you can start focusing on starting your personal statement, starting to ask for those letters of recommendations, um, and just starting that whole process as well. Thank you so much for joining me here on Ask Dr. Gray Pre-Med Q&A. Did you know that we record these live on Facebook at 3 p.m. Eastern on most weekdays? Search for Medical School HQ on Facebook and like the page to be notified. If you want help with the MCAT, go check out the MCAT podcast at the MCAT podcast.com. 